You're listening to a sermon from crckulaman.org. I believe I'm reading Acts 21, 4 to 14. Good, just making sure. We went ashore, found the local believers and stayed with them a week. These believers prophesied through the Holy Spirit that Paul should not go on to Jerusalem. When we returned to the ship at the end of the week, the entire congregation, including women and children, left the city and came down to the shore with us. There we knelt, prayed and said our farewells. Then we went on board and they returned home. The next stop after leaving Tyre was Ptolemy, where we greeted the brothers and sisters and stayed for one day. The next day we went on to Caesarea and stayed at the home of Philip the Evangelist, one of the seven men who had been chosen to distribute food. He had four unmarried daughters who had the gift of prophecy. Several days later, a man named Agabus, who also had the gift of prophecy, arrived from Judea. He came over... Paul's belt and bound his own feet and hands with it. Then he said, the Holy Spirit declares, so shall the owner of this belt be bound by the Jewish leaders in Jerusalem and turned over to the Gentiles. When we heard this, we and the local believers all begged Paul not to go on to Jerusalem. But he said, why all this weeping? You are breaking my heart. I am ready not only to be jailed at Jerusalem, but even to die for the sake of the Lord Jesus. When it was clear that we couldn't persuade him, we gave up and said, the Lord's will be done. Okay, thanks Robin for reading that little extract. We're actually covering quite a few chapters today, so that was just like a little snippet taster. Uh, from a part of the section we're going to cover today. And um, I wonder if you could give my little trainee preacher here a bit of a round of applause. For um, volunteering. There was actually no arm twisting involved at all in, uh, in getting her up here with me today because um, I've got quite a few scriptures in here. So Miller is going to uh, read the scripture parts of my sermon. So how good's that? Thank you, Miller. All right, Um, N.T. Wright is is famous for saying, wherever St. Paul went, there was a riot. Wherever I go, they serve tea. Bit of a challenge for us, I think, isn't it? What exactly does it look like to be spirit-led? On mission, as a follower of Jesus, is it all tea and scones? Or might we expect some rights too. I think it's challenging to to think that when we're being spirit-led and in the will of God, there might be trouble. Surely, we think, surely God's blessing and God's peace and, and prosperity should be upon all action that's done in his will and out of our mission and our calling. But these chapters we're going to look at today challenge us otherwise. And uh, we're going to cover from chapters 19 
through to 23. <clears throat> I think we could summarise them like this. These single word headings, you ready? Resolution, riot, resolution, resolve, riot. Reason, riot, reason, riot, reassurance. And as you can see, there are plenty of riots involved in Paul's life. <clears throat> uh, it's a bit of a wild ride over the next few chapters. It reminds me a bit of when I was parenting with babies and toddlers. You know, resolution, riot, resolve, riot, <laughs> reason. Um, we're going to look at some key verses and see what happens. And we're going to see how Paul is led by the Spirit to go to Jerusalem. And we're going to have a look at what happens to Paul along the way. And then we're going to think about what does this mean for our calling? What does this mean for our mission as disciples? Because if you're a disciple of Jesus, you have a calling upon your life. You have a mission as a follower of Jesus. So we start off in chapter 19, 21, and Paul here, he makes a resolution. Miller. Now, after these things had been accomplished, Paul resolved in the spirit to go through Macedonia and Achelia and then go on to Jerusalem. So he decides he needs to go to Jerusalem and it's the spirit. It's the Holy Spirit that helps him make this resolution, this decision. The next thing that happens, though, is he faces a riot in verse 23. About that time, no little disturbance broke out concerning the way. Um, the, uh, the group of artisans who make silver shrines for the, the god Artemis or the god Diana in Ephesus, they get together. It's a, it's a bit like maybe the, the trade union getting together, a bit upset that people are taking business away from them. And um, they're angry because Paul's preaching is saying, uh, you know, God's made by human hands are not valid gods. And so they're, they're losing money uh, to, to Paul's preaching. And so what happens is an angry mob forms and they gather at the theatre and, you know, there's so much confusion and so much yelling that some people don't even know what they're protesting about. They don't even know what they're angry about. It's, it's a bit like a, Americans on Twitter Sometimes they don't even know what they're angry about. Uh, they're just protesting anyway. But just like all social media storms eventually die down, this uproar dies down too. <clears throat> and Paul sets off. Um, he learns about a plot against him by the Jews. So he changes course. And he sails to various places along the way. And at one point, he asks the elders at the church in Ephesus to come and meet him there. And he gives them this pretty awesome farewell speech, which I, I touched on last time. And in this speech, there's some really great, solid leadership, advice, <clears throat> and some encouragement. But what he does in this um, farewell speech is he, he doubles down and he restates his resolution. And we see here that, that the emphasis is on the Spirit's leading in his life, the Spirit's prompting him to make this decision or this resolution. So verse 22. And now, as a captive to the Spirit, 
I am on my way to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies to me in every city that imprisonment and persecutions are waiting for me. So you can see it's the Spirit, isn't it? He's following the prompting of the Spirit to go to Jerusalem, but the Spirit is telling him there's going to be trouble there. There's going to be trouble waiting for you, Paul. He continues sailing and he lands at another port. They find the local believers. And in chapter 21, verse 4, We looked up up the disciples and stayed there for seven days. Through the Spirit, they told Paul not to go go on to Jerusalem. So again, the Spirit is here prompting, speaking to the local believers. And um, it's a little bit confusing there because it almost sounds like the Spirit's saying, don't go to Jerusalem. Um, but this through, uh, this through through the Spirit, they told Paul not to go to <coughs> Jerusalem. could also be translated as because of. So because of what the Spirit said about the suffering that's in store for Paul, they told him not to go to Jerusalem. So they get the same prompting that Paul got about Jerusalem holding imprisonment and suffering and the very human reaction to the information that that Paul is going to suffer. The very human reaction of someone who cares deeply about Paul is to say, don't do it. Don't go. And, of course, that's exactly what the believers in the next city say when a prophet named Agabus takes Paul's belt and he binds his feet and he binds his hands and he gives this prophetic announcement to, to Paul in chapter 21, verse 11. Thus says the Holy Spirit, this is the way the Jews in Jerusalem will bind the man who owns this belt and, and will hand him over to the Gentiles. When we heard this, we and the people there urged him not to go up to Jerusalem. Then Paul answered, what are, you, what are you doing, weeping and breaking my heart? For I am not only to be bound, but even to die in Jerusalem for the name of Lord Jesus. Since he, he would not be persuaded, we remain silent, except to say, the Lord's will be done. So Paul knows his mission and his calling, and he's made this resolution, I'm going to Jerusalem, because this is what the Spirit is leading me to do. And I imagine at that point, with all the emotion that the local church, that these people that that love him and he loves them, I imagine at that point it might be tempting for Paul to buckle and and to give in and maybe not go because these believers are obviously making a very strong emotional case. Don't go, Paul. He says to them, you're breaking my heart. But he shows great resolve, great fortitude great determination and he firmly decides I'm going to continue in his mission and calling because he has surrendered to the will of Jesus at all costs and so he continues and he finally makes it to Jerusalem but trouble is already brewing and he's warned that people have been spreading rumours about him that he's been telling people not to get Jews, not to get circumcised, and that he's been telling uh, Jews to turn away from the law and to turn away from their Jewish customs. And so Paul 
um, and his friends, they hatch a plan to try and demonstrate to the Jews that Paul is still a good Jew. Unfortunately, however, some troublemakers see him in the temple and they stir up the crowd against him. And again, people are shouting. Soon the whole city is provoked and once more we have a riot. 22 verse 30. Then all the city was aroused and the people rushed together. They seized Paul and dragged him out of the temple and immediately the doors were shut. While they were trying to kill him, word came to the tribune of the cohort that all Jerusalem was in an uproar. Everybody. So everyone's shouting uh, different things, interrupting one another, <laughs> aren't they? Um, it's a bit like when the dishwasher breaks and you're a family of five and you're suddenly all in the kitchen together trying to figure out how to wash up. There's shouting, there's yelling, and soon it starts to get violent, doesn't it? No, not really. Um, our dishwasher broke down this week, so, you know. Um, but, but for Paul and the temple, it gets so violent that the soldiers have to... To, to protect Paul and I actually carry him away to safety. Now, Paul, he's a reasonable fellow and he does what all reasonable fellows would do in that situation. And he tries to reason with the Jews in Acts 23. And so he asks to speak to the crowd and he tries to explain himself. And really his, his reasoning is pretty simple. It's basically, fellas, I'm a Jew. And he tells his conversion story. Now, <clears throat> things are going okay. And, and you might think, oh, Paul, you've calmed him down. You're going to get away with it. Um, but then he mentions the unmentionable. Gentiles. Gentiles. Apparently being called to share God's, God's um, word with Gentiles is worthy of the death penalty in the minds of these Jews because they once again kind of switch into full psycho riot mode and they start shouting and they start tearing their cloaks, throwing their cloaks up in the air and grabbing you know, dirt and tossing dirt up in the air and, and it's, it's quite a tantrum and we're back where we started once more with another riot in Acts 23. So once again, they haul Paul away and Paul's about to get flogged by the Roman soldier. Uh, but at that point, Paul kind of, you know, just casually happens to mention that uh, he's a Roman citizen and uh, do you think it's actually legal to flog me because I'm a Roman citizen? And it's a pretty loaded question and the, the tribune, who's the Roman bureaucrat, he's pretty freaked out at hearing this because they had tied up and, and were about to question and flog a, Roman, a natural born Roman citizen, which of course is a rather big no-no in that culture. So we get to verse, uh, chapter 23 and once again, Paul tries to reason with them. And the chief priests and the entire Jewish council of leaders they're called to meet, and Paul tries to reason. He tries to explain himself. And this time, he plays the I'm a Pharisee too card. But unfortunately, it's, it's not long before once again, riot mode is triggered, and the disagreements turn violent. 
And in chapter 23, verse 10, we have another riot. Faced with another great riot, the tribune was worried that Paul was going to be pulled to pieces between them. He ordered the guard goat to go down and snatch him out of the midst of them and bring him back up into the barracks. So it's not surprising that after all of this, after these riots, after all the heartache saying goodbye to people he loved, after all the journeys, the travel, and obviously we've, we've skipped over a lot, but it's, it's not surprising after all this, Paul needed a little bit of reassurance. He needed some reassurance that yes, God is leading, the Spirit is leading him, and Jesus himself appears to bring some encouragement to Paul. And so in chapter 23, verse 11, we have reassurance. That night, the Lord stood near him and said, Keep your courage, for just as you have testified for me in Jerusalem, you, so you must bear witnesses also in Rome. You know, being a, a, a spirit-led believer, it's not necessarily going to lead to easy outcomes. God planned for his word to go to the ends of the earth. And Paul's missionary journeys in the final chapters of Acts are part of his plan. In chapter 19 to 23, we see him being led by the Spirit through some very difficult and very dangerous situations as he journeys to Jerusalem. And it requires determination for him to stay true to his calling while under threat and hardship. So the question I have for us this afternoon is what does your journey to Jerusalem look like? We're not all called to preach. Sometimes even even those of us who are called to preach can hardly preach. Um, But we're not all called to preach. But we are all called to something in God's kingdom. Do you believe that? Is that true? The spirit is given to us so that we can be witnesses in this world. Acts 1.8, Miller's going to read it, but if you know it, call it out with her. Acts 1.8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witness in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Is that true? Is that your calling? Is that our calling, church? That's what we're called to do and be, witnesses. And so the question is, what is God asking you to do? Where might God's plans and purposes take you? What part of God's mission is the Spirit prompting you to be part of? And maybe you don't have clear uh, answers to those questions. Or maybe you do, but you need some encouragement to step into them. Or perhaps you've tried to step into God's mission or calling and you've come up against some riots, some difficulties. And maybe you're hesitant about continuing. I think the key thing to being spirit-led is to know what our mission is and to stay true to it under pressure 
And to do that, we must learn how to listen to God. And look, being a spirit-led believer, it's a sermon in itself, isn't it? It's hard to give you a recipe uh, to, to show you how to discern what God is saying and how we can know if we're being prompted by the Holy Spirit. Um, anyone here like to just freestyle it when they cook? Or do you follow a recipe? I like to just freestyle it. You know, when I cook, I might give rough attention to a recipe. But for the most part, it's actually my previous experience in the kitchen that, that guides me. And so I kind of, I cook by instinct and by impression and by feel. And um, I find it's, it's far more effective than, than following a procedural list of instructions. The recipe's useful, but it doesn't make me a good cook. And so when it comes to being spirit-led, instructions and guidance, they're useful. So I could tell you those things. But ultimately, it's just something we need to learn by experience as we grow in our faith, as we mature as believers. You need to discover for yourself how God speaks to you and how God leads you. And I want to encourage you, if this is a a new thing for you, to be spirit-led, if this is not something you you do, then, then, then learn how to do that first before thinking about embarking on any great mission for Jesus. We need to learn how to listen to God. Next, we need to make a resolution. Like Paul, we need to make a decision, a clear decision. What exactly is God asking you to do? It doesn't matter what age you are. It doesn't matter whether you're in primary school or high school, whether you've left school, whether you've retired, God has a mission for you and he is speaking to you. And so you are never too young or you're never too old. Sorry to say it, but you're never quite retired. So we need to to, to find out what is God saying to us Now, in a general sense, all of us as believers, we're called to spread God's rule and reign across the face of the earth. And, of course, we're filled with the power of the Spirit to do that. And we're to to show and tell the gospel in word and deed. So in a general sense, we're all called to that, aren't we? But how is it that you and you and you and you, how are we all uniquely positioned and uniquely equipped to do that? What good deeds has God prepared for you to do? Ephesians 2.10 For we are what he has made us, crea- made us, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared before him so that we may walk in them. So I want us to get specific here, church. As 2022 rounds off, what does God have for you in 2023? Where or how is the Spirit prompting you to to serve others and to build his kingdom? It's really important that we make a clear resolution about that so that we can take clear steps towards that, both as as a corporate church, but also as individuals.
And so maybe, maybe he's calling you to uh, step up your service in church. Maybe he's calling you to, to serve next year in kids' ministry. Come and see me. That's the case. Maybe he's calling you to, to get involved in community ministry, scripture in schools or, or some sort of volunteering somewhere. Maybe there are spiritual gifts that he wants to develop in you. Maybe there's some sort of training or learning that he might be asking you to do. Perhaps you're feeling called to develop more connections in our community, more relationships with unchurched people. Is he calling you to care for others, to pastorally care for other people? Maybe he's calling you into a prayer ministry or to lead a small group or attend a small group. Maybe he's calling you to give financially to the work of the church and its mission. The question is, how will God use you next year to build his kingdom? Would you pray about that? Would you ask him about that? Would you tune in to the voice of the Spirit? Because I can guarantee he's speaking. The challenge is, are we listening? Next, we need resolve. Now, Paul had some really well-meaning friends saying, don't go. It's going to be hard. You're going to get hurt. He had a prophet warn him about imprisonment and trouble that was ahead for him. The Spirit himself warns Paul of trouble ahead. But Paul was resolved to continue, even if it meant death. Do you have resolve? Do you have grit, determination to keep on persevering? Is your calling and purpose in God strong enough to withstand the pressures that will come? And they will come. You know, we see the riots that are stirred up against Paul in opposition to the gospel message. It's not all tea and scones, is it? You will experience some spiritual kickback. The enemy doesn't like it when we step out in service to Jesus, the world and our culture might not like it either. There will be some natural and supernatural problems that you are going to have to deal with. There might be difficult people. You might have difficulty managing your time. You might find it hard to stay focused. You might find it hard to deal with priorities in your life. Maybe you'll have some health issues or emotional issues. You're going to get discouraged at times. But church, this is not a cruise ship we are on. It's a cargo ship. It's a working ship. And you know, it might make human sense to quit, but does it make spirit sense? And, and here, again, you need to be continuing to discern the leading and the prompting of the spirit rather than the leading and the prompting of your at times Wonky and feeble heart. I'm sorry, but it's true. Our hearts, they can be so weak and misleading. We need to be spirit-led. And, you know, reading your Bible devotionally is going to help you here because the Bible has this uncanny ability to speak directly into your situation right then. In that moment, on that day, have you found that to be true? 
So many times I find that to be true. I open the word of God and I'm, I'm encouraged. I'm challenged. I'm convicted. And it re-steers me. And it reshapes my wonky heart. And it helps me to have that resolve, that grit and that determination. And it challenges me to think with spirit sense and encourages me to keep on going in the mission that Jesus has for me. You're also going to need reassurance, just like the Apostle Paul. I think it's important to understand that we're human, aren't we? And we need encouragement. I don't know, is that just me? Or do you need encouragement too? Yeah. It's important that as we, we do things in God's kingdom, that we prioritise being near Jesus. You know, I love the, the intimacy of chapter 2311 where Jesus comes to, to Paul and he stands, he stands near him. I sort of imagine him standing over Paul as he sleeps, or as he lies in bed, maybe tossing and turning at 3 a.m. or something. And Jesus comes near to him and he stands there and he says, Paul, keep up your courage. Keep going. I've got more for you, Paul. Of course, Paul ends up not just in Jerusalem, but he ends up in Rome, doesn't he, to preach. And so when you get tired, when you get discouraged, you just need to take some time out to be near Jesus. Carve out that time and and sit and be still. Pray. Fast. Worship. Worship through song. Get outside and and worship God through creation. Get stuck into some psalms. You know, it's so important for us to continually tend to our relationship with Jesus. And when we do that, when we take time to be near Jesus, he may well remind you of the same words he reminded Paul in chapter 20, verse 35. And he says, It is more blessed to give than to receive. Because you know what? It's exciting and it's thrilling to be on adventure for God, on his mission, serving others and building the kingdom of God and being spirit-led. You know, being spirit-led is going to cause you to to pour out your life on behalf of others and, and it's truly going to be more satisfying and more encouraging than self-focused living. Do you believe that? Is that true? Perhaps you've been trying to live a life of mission and calling. Perhaps you've been hurt, burnt, maybe you're worn out, maybe you're just feeling and you need reassurance maybe maybe you've been serving idols rather than Jesus that was last week's sermon if you missed last week's sermon on, on um, idols jump, jump on the podcast and have a listen you know maybe you've, 
been trying to receive through your serving rather than giving. Maybe you've been trying to receive love and acceptance and forgiveness and power and control, comfort and approval through your mission and service rather than knowing that you already have all that in Jesus and that his grace truly is sufficient for you and that frees you to, to give and to even give your life for the name of the Lord Jesus. So I want to encourage us, like Paul, let's go on that journey. It might not be smooth sailing. There'll be difficulties along the way, but if it's the mission Jesus has for you, it is good, isn't it? It is good. You won't be satisfied unless you step on the boat and take that missional journey. And so as a close, I just want to challenge us, take time. Over the, over the next two to three months, take time to listen to the Spirit. Make a resolution about what God is calling you to do next year. It will take resolve and you might need some reassurance along the way. But it will be good. And just as Acts 19.20 says, when we do this in this way, the word of God will spread and will grow. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, we know that as your church, as your people, as your disciples, we are filled with the power of the Spirit. We are equipped and we are called to uh, build your kingdom, to bring the good news to the ends of the earth. And so, Lord, for all of the, the, the unique ways that you have gifted and equipped and are calling each person in this room to do that. Speak to us, Lord. Holy Spirit, we invite you to come and bring us uh, a word, bring us insight, show us, lead us, guide us. And Lord, for those of us who, who maybe have been uh, uh, burnt or worn out or who are experiencing discouragement in relation to our mission and calling. Holy Spirit, we just invite you to come and bring, bring healing, to bring reassurance, to just speak a word of encouragement and to speak a new hope for the future, new direction for the future. Lord, we just pray that over the coming three months, what you have for us as individuals and as a church will become clear. Lead us and guide us, we pray. We want to do your will. We want to see your kingdom grow. We want to see your church grow. And we just want to see the name of Jesus lifted on high and glorified. And we pray this together as your people. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thanks, church. Let's go and enjoy some fellowship together. If you need prayer, Go and ask for prayer from someone else, not from me today, all right? And, um, yeah, let's just enjoy some fellowship.